Welcome to Unsilent with your hosts, Dave and Brian. This is not another current events podcast. We're digging deeper, diagnosing, and discussing what's really going on today, how we got here, and providing observations for future generations. Welcome to Unsilent. We're Brian and Dave. We're helping you let us know where you think we got it right and where we completely missed the point which you can do by visiting unsilentpodcast.com. So let's get into it. What should we talk about today, Brian? Well, I think we need to talk about, you know, uh, our children and the next generation and the impact that all the things that are going on are, are having on them. Um, you know, this is a, we, you and I are the first generation whose children or who the generation who comes after us will have a shorter life expectancy than us, um, less economic positive outlook or prosperity being forecasted, uh, less freedom for sure. Um, you know, there's a number of, there's a number of things that are pretty good. Um, I don't know. I'd call them significant indicators. And I've got a couple of things we'll talk about was, was teen suicide and stuff like that, but fairly significant indicators. I would say, to, in, to tell us that we're we're heading down the wrong path with our kids, you know, education is abysmal, you know. <laughs> um, so I, I I don't know. I think we just need to kind of un- unpack that and and explain to Kenny G. And for those of you who don't know, who Kenny G is Kenny G is a person who's living, uh, you know, seventy years from now as we record this in twenty twenty three. He'll be a middle aged adult around the year twenty ninety. Uh, that's who we're talking to. Is explain what this moment in time is like. Uh, which you can also help us do by commenting on our Rumble videos or going to unsilentpodcast.com. But explaining to Kenny G what it's like for guys like me and Dave and to to see this going on and not really see a whole lot of angst about it. Well, and especially in America. I mean, America has always been a a positive, hopeful you know, our best days are ahead. <clears throat> Presidential candidates are, and, and presidents and other people are always fond of of quoting, of saying, "Our best days are ahead." And to have so yeah. much of the country, and in particular youth, not believing that is is a is a difference in in outlook and personality for the country than we've really ever had before. I mean there was of course there were dark days in in the the 20s and 30s with the the great depression um but generally speaking since World War II ended it's been it's been a, a hopeful aspirational country. Uh but now you know another one you didn't mention is that that in surveys about youth concern about climate change, there's uh, more than half are either thinking that we're not going to survive or that it's a possibility that we won't survive, maybe right. or probably won't survive. You know, if half your youth think that because of uh, of an environmental issue, and and it's it's an issue um, that we might not survive as a species. Yeah. That's a, that's a big downer. So there's, there's yeah. a lot of things on, on a lot of different fronts that are, are pointing us in this direction. Yeah. So let, let's, let's talk about that for a second. I, I hadn't really thought about that, but you know, I, I'm of the age where we were kind of coming out of this nuclear war, like the right. frenzy of being concerned about all dying in nuclear war. Like I, right. I didn't really, I didn't really do the under the desk drills. I, I wasn't, I, I missed that by 
probably four or five years. Right. Um, I, so I would say my age cohort is probably the first that didn't have that. And if you go back in time, like since World War II, that not long after that, I mean, 1950, 1955, somewhere in there is where all that really started getting wound up. Right. Um, before that, there was obviously the the fear of the Germans and and yep. the Japanese because you know the, the Italians taking over the world, the axis of evil. Yep. Um, before that, you had World War One and significant medical issues that people were afraid of. You know, polio and, and <laughs> pandemic. Yeah, the the nineteen eighteen whatever. And but just yep. but just illness. Like there were significant illnesses that they worried about that I never had to worry about, and you never had to right. worry about. Yep. Go back to the 1800s. Um, I, 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 depending on what part of, the, of what we now call the United States, the part you lived in, like there was pre- parts that were pretty unsafe, you know, oh, outside absolutely. your little town or your little maybe yeah. county that that were kind of un that were just wilderness and and just unsafe because there was a lot yeah. of warring factions and tribes and uh, but going back before that again, you know, just life's the lifespans were shorter so do you my right. question i guess my point is and i'll ask you do you, do you think that do you think that we always have just generally had a, a fear growing up of something's going to kill us whether it's illness or nuclear war or and, you know now it's the climate it, it kind of feels to me like that's just a thing that's always going to happen or always has happened well I, you know i think there's two things really brian i think there's there there's always that existential threat of something that's out there to kill us yeah so you know yeah like you say the nuclear war or i mean but look leave it to beaver uh came up uh, during the, th- the during the time that we were under threat of soviet right. destruction of you yeah, know yeah. mutually assured destruction so so the question isn't necessarily <clears throat> is there is is there a major threat uh and the question is how do we deal with that how do we as a as a society as a culture uh, address that. So if you look at, at the sixties, if you look at the seventies, the fifties, um, I would say that there were, uh, greater threats in those days, uh, yeah. than we probably face now. I mean, you know, there, there's some big threats in the world. There's, uh, there's Iran, there's North Korea, there's Putin, there's, you know, there, there's plenty right, right, right. of, of, of threats, but I don't know that they're yeah, necessarily well, you get an 80 something year old guy with his <laughs> finger on the button. I'd call that a threat. Yeah. Well, there, there, there yeah, there, there are some, and see, this is the thing. There, there are objective threats and there always have been objective threats. I think the question, yeah. and in fact, you know, if you go, if we go back to the civil war era or before, uh, you know, I, I, the place I'm sitting right now in Tacoma, Washington, yeah, there's homeless folks walking up and down the street and there's some prostitutes out there and all these various and sundry things. Uh, but in general, I'm in a super, super safe place compared right. to any other time in human history, even in, you know, you, in, in the 1800s, you walk outside your door in a civilized uh, town and maybe you're going to get charged, you're, you're going to get challenged to a gun battle. I mean, it's yeah, unlikely. I might yeah. get shot in a drive-by shooting out here, but I probably right. won't get charged to a gun battle. So objectively speaking, and this is the thing that I think is fascinating and the thing that, again, for Kenny G's sake, talks about the mood of the time that we're in. I mean, uh, the, objectively speaking, we're in a great time. But the mood is horrible. <clears throat> the mood is yeah. just is just completely uh, unraveling, and 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 you know we're all going to die, kind of thing. You know, right? Uh, so I, I think that's what's interesting. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, yeah. So I would agree that 
all through history, we've had things to be afraid of and legitimate things, yeah. not not BS yeah. things. I, I, you know, during the Cuban Missile Crisis, that was a legit, that was a, a significant thing to be afraid of. And, and for real, it wasn't Absolutely. like BS. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's illnesses all through human history that, that you know, the plague is right. no small example of, like, we just wipe out lots of people. Yeah. I, I think that, the, like you're saying, though, the difference is how we're telling our youth to cope with that. Before right. it was, yes, and let's go live the best life we can anyway. Right. And exactly. now it's, why bother trying to have a family? Why bother try to, to be happy and, and find the love of your life and your soulmate and all these, you know, more romantic things, but also right. pragmatic things. <laughs> why bother living in some cases? Why bother getting a good education? Why bother sure. bettering yourself if we're all going to die? And that that is a very different tone than I've ever experienced. I, I've not ever Absolutely. been around people who grew up with that kind of direction coming from uh, parents, teachers. Yeah. Uh, it, what what we now call influencers, but there's always been you know media people or Hollywood socialites or whatever sure. telling people how to live. But the idea of Shirley Temple telling people to just you know why bother because we're all going to die of, of right. nuclear holocaust <laughs> that seems ludicrous. Yeah, it, it's new, and and I think some of it <clears throat> goes to the goes to the general um, uh, distrust and and. And again, I'm back to that word unraveling of, of any trustworthy institution to deal with the problems that are ahead of us. So, you know, if, if you listen, for instance, to Kennedy, his old speeches during the Cuban Missile Crisis, they're inspiring. I mean, yeah, yeah, we were between. So I I think, wasn't it Khrushchev? I think it was Khrushchev on the other side and Kennedy on this side, both their fingers on the nuclear button, blockading Cuba, missiles coming in. I mean, we were that close to nuclear war. But to listen to Kennedy speak at that time, it was it was inspiring. You know, I mean, there's plenty of things about Kennedy. I'm not not in, sure. you know thrilled about but it was inspiring and so today but what we have today is we have <clears throat> not only do we have problems but we have institutions that are essentially failed at inspiring us to believe that we can overcome these problems whether yeah. it's whether it's governmental institutions or you know faith institutions or you know uh uh, leaders in in industry or or media, etc. Uh, it, it seems everybody's just flailing around, and and therefore, when you have no faith or trust as a society, that the people that are that are entrusted with your protection and with solving these complex problems, if you have no faith that they're going to do it, then that naturally leads to societal despair. And I think that's yeah. what we're seeing all around us right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like your Kennedy example is a great one. Like it, it wasn't, I mean, we we're right in the throes of the Cold War when right. he was talking about, yep, and we're going to put a man on the moon in 10 years. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and now it's the, the, the tone is just, is, is so different. So, so, you know, the, the question is like, well, okay, so what? Well, so what is, there's a, there's a measurable negative impact that's happening, at least on the suicide rate front. Exactly. We can, we, there, I saw statistics today, uh, and I don't have those in front of me. I'm not going to try to cite them. You can Google them and find them if, if anybody's interested in that kind of stuff. But, but me, we've been measuring for, for decades uh, young people's happiness and their outlook on life. Like how happy are you with your life is, is right. the gist of the question. And how happy are you with your relationship with your parents? Both of those questions 
took a steep drop right around 2008. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, depending on which chart you look like, look at, I've got a few of them that I pulled up from the CDC website. You can, you can go to the CDC website and find this and it's suicide and homicide rates amongst uh, young people, I think is what they call it here. But you can look at different age cohorts and there's between 10 and 14 and 15 to 19 and, and um, 20 to 24 is the, is the age brackets. And they haven't broken out in those three different groups and they have them all kind of mashed together from, you know, um, uh, 10 to 24 or whatever it is. Uh, and it's the suicide homicide rates uh, among youth and young adults is what they call it. So, you know, things are clicking along pretty normal. And then all of a sudden, you know, normal not being good, like any is bad, obviously. But 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 sure. there's a noticeable uptick that begins around 2008. Right. And if you look at, you know, you and I have talked about 2008 being kind of a marker in time where things right. were different. Now, yeah. I'm not going to say that it's because of who the president was. I don't think Obama did anything specifically that instantly cued more suicide. I'm not saying right. that at all. Right. However, it's not a coincidence that that's around the time that these ideas and the values shift that you and I talk about a lot really took hold. And this, yeah. and things like the climate change topic went from, yeah, we should do a good job of cleaning up pollutants and, and we should do a good job of recycling and keeping garbage out of the oceans. And that shifted to an entirely different kind of conversation that you and I have gotten into. We don't need to repeat today, but the outlook was it shifted from, let's clean up after ourselves and be good people and be good stewards of the environment to this thing that's bigger than us is going to, is going to end our species. <laughs> right. Well, and if you think about it, you, you know, one of the major things, of course, that happened in 2008 was the GFC, you know, the, the great right. financial crisis. So it was the recession, the major, the great recession, however you want to call that. So in, in America, you know, of course, 80 some odd percent of our economy is a consumer based economy. So all of our lives are tied up in the economics of the, of, of, of the country. And so right. when we had a fundamental failure of, of economics that hadn't happened in multiple generations in four generations, arguably since the, since the great depression, then that sort of undermined the faith in a lot of our major institutions. And so, so there's that change at the same time that government took a much more active role uh, in large part due to that, you know, the, the bailouts and the, you know, right. uh, the government essentially taking over General Motors and yeah. shortly thereafter, the government, uh, reformulating our medical system. So we, we had these, <clears throat> these twin kinds of things that were happening that essentially undermined our faith as, as a culture, as a people in what we had all grown up with since the since the the Great Depression, since the baby boom yeah. uh, started, since we won World War II, uh, in, in those things there was there was never a question. I mean, you you go back to to Reagan in in the early eighties and his his proposition that we're a city on a hill and that you know the the best you know in his in his um, in his final speech before he left office he talked about America's best days are ahead. Well, nobody was talking that way in, in 2008, 2009, 2010. We're talking the financial system is broken. The medical system is broken. The insurance system is broken. Governments, everything's, everything's broken. Racism pervades everything. Uh, your exactly. parents are, are, are 
rubes and out of touch because they don't want you to get gender reassignment and accept you how you are. And yeah, there's all kinds of things that changed. Yeah. Well, and then, and then that naturally leads to where we're at today. And like those suicide statistics that you're reading, you, you hear about the, the lifespan in America, it, like you said earlier at the opening is, is uh, decreasing. I mean, it's always right. been for the last, you know, long, long period of time. It's been increasing. Hundreds of years. Yeah. Yeah. It's just been, it's been on, on, on growing, not, not going backwards. And one of the major reasons, if you look at the, at all of the things that are affecting that are deaths of despair. So there's the right. youth, obviously we're talking about, <clears throat> but there's also deaths of despair. Deaths of despair are directly also related to the explosion of serious drug addiction beyond, you know, this yeah. isn't your father's heroin. <laughs> you know, this this right. isn't, this isn't the, you know, the pot from the sixties. Uh, so we're, we're talking about those things, which are people again. So if you've got, if you've got an unraveling of, people's trust in the basic things of society, which a lot of that happened from 2008 and beyond, then people turn to things like, I, I, I just can't take a world that's unhinged. They turn to, you know, heavy drugs. They turn to suicide. They turn to, you know, if they don't have anybody out there to save them, quote unquote, then, right. you know, what's the point of living? Or if, if the earth is doomed to burn up in a, in a cinder ball in the next 12 years because we didn't solve climate change, then, there you go. There's the result yeah. of, of all of that. That's what we live in now. And I, you know, we don't know which of these topics is going to survive to the year 2090 and be, and be something Kenny G would even be aware of. So right. I want to be clear. It's not just climate change. That conversation right. is not the only piece that's doing this. It's also uh, you can't trust your parents and you should trust your teacher yep. instead yep. Or, the, or some other government official or some other person in, in the – a, a role where they have, you know, influence or responsibility, uh, some kind of institution. You're supposed to trust them instead of your parents. That's a massive change. Yeah. The, the conversation about just say no. I, I don't know it took that Nancy Reagan thing that went. I mean that that went away probably in the mid to late '90s. That that kind of petered out, and it became yeah. eh, it's just weed. Who cares? And that right. and that you no. Know, and we've legalized you know drugs in in some states we legalize marijuana in a lot of states but but just the conversation from people in uh authority positions not not leadership role authority positions has changed right. on how drugs are perceived and and the the good versus the bad and I'm you know I listen I'm not a doctor but I'm sure that there's there's things that are you know, medicinal about different pharmaceuticals or natural thing. I get all that stuff, but the, but the good versus bad conversation definitely changed. Right. Um, no later than, than 2007, 2008. Yeah. So it, it's a, it's a myriad of things. Uh, the, the country is racist. If you're this race, you know, if you're white, you're, you're, you're evil at birth because of racism. racism. Right. You're, you're condemned. And, and if you're, if you're not white, then you're at the mercy of the white people who are looking to kill you. Like right. these are not the conversations that that we had. And and people who would argue that that these are healthy conversations to have, like I listen, I get that there's nuance, and I'm not saying we should never have conversations about bad things that have happened, and we should never have conversations about climate. I, I I get all that. I'm not I'm not so so out of it. I'm we can't have those conversations. What I'm saying is we have proof to indicate what we're doing is not working if you use these measurements of Right. How many times kids are killing themselves as as a metric and how happy they are as a metric 
that the proof is it's not working in the and the, these are not minor changes one cohort, cohort here the, the suicides up 50% the best case and the worst case is up 150% in in a decade <laughs> it's right. nuts well and, and i think part of it is that part of the problem is that since there are no solutions since since our institutions have failed us then those institutions are grasping for more power all the time, more right. power. Right, um, right, right. You know, we saw that during COVID, obviously. Uh, so institutions are grasping desperately for, for power. And then at the same time, the, the, the individuals not seeing anything to latch onto in society to help themselves are then moving towards, um, well, Whatever, whatever you as an individual feel reality is, is what it is. Since reality right. has failed us, then we are going to, you know, you, you can, you can be whatever you feel you are going to be. And so, yeah. so, and, and also any kind of, any kind of difference, uh, that's never been tried before. Well, everything else has failed us. So let's go in this direction now. So there's that. And I think for, for Kenny G, the thing that I, I would say, <clears throat> Is that you, you'll notice this, uh, this mood emerging because it's really a mood, right? Yeah. I mean, whatever the underlying thing. So we're talking about climate change and we're talking about drugs. We're talking about a whole variety of things. It's, it, like you say, it's, it's very likely that in Kenny G's day, it'll be a, a different set of things, but right. the mood question will be probably pretty much the same because that's yeah, what happens sure. when these you you get a you get a, a mood like let's take a look at the 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 teens the 19 teens and the 1920s before the great depression before world war ii you had <clears throat> a great mood of uh, great in terms of big a big mood of sort of nihilism let's go out and party you know eat live and be merry for tomorrow eat and drink and be merry for tomorrow we die you know right. so there's a the, the roaring twenties, you know, it's let's party, be who you are and, you know, throw off the shackles of, of the societal norms that we've had because, you know, there's, there's, there's nothing worth living for anyways. It's, it's a great, a, a large uh, dose of essentially nihilism. Nothing really matters uh, except right. my own personal, my own personal expression, my own personal fun, my own personal enjoyment. That's the only thing that matters. Uh, and so that's the mood that <clears throat> there's a great deal of that in today's society. The only thing that matters is what, you know, what I want to do. Um, and there's, here's a, here's an interesting uh, one for you, Brian. I, I've noticed this. You, you, you see these songs from the seventies, eighties and nineties kind of recycling through today in yeah. different ways. But there, there was a song. I don't know if you remember this or not. There was a song. I was, I think it's by DeBarge way back in the seventies yeah. or eighties. You don't, um, we don't have to take our clothes off to have a good time. Do you, do you remember right. that one? So I don't. I don't know who DeBarge is. So I get, I get okay. half credit. <laughs> well, okay. So you get part of credit. So that song then was, you don't have to take your clothes off to have a good, we don't have to take our clothes off. Now, a man wants to feel yeah. respected, you know? So right. that song has been re redone. We have to take our clothes off to have a good time, you know. So there's it, there's a modern. That's what's called. <laughs> it's it's just kind of it's the, the lyrics have reversed to yeah. completely change the message. Now to me that it's sort of a canary in the coal mine thing. It's like 
you know, in the sixties, they said, if it's, if it feels good, do it, but they didn't do anything right. like what we're doing today. There were, there were, it wasn't right. anything like that. It was just like, you know, uh, uh, you're going to be a little bit wilder than your parents are, but not like what's happening today. Yeah. So it's, it's nihilism. It's, it's a, it's a sense of my own personal pleasure is the only thing I can count on because the rest of the world is basically, you know, gone to hell. Yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's accurate. I also think that there's an element of, there's not, there's not really much in a kid's life anymore that is measurable. Yeah. You know, when, when, when I was young, you, we, we had grades and they really mattered. And now grades yeah. are being diminished uh, to a point where in some places, you know, some cities and even some States now, like it's, it's, they're, they're, they're really kind of pointless. And, I, and I'm not yeah. being sarcastic. I don't think I'm exaggerating. Like in, no, not at in all. Oregon at this moment, like, they basically said we're not gonna we're not gonna really keep score on things like math, English, and social studies and science. Like those things, yeah. we're not really gonna keep score on anymore. We are gonna keep score on how many times you say uh, things that that might hurt somebody's feelings or you know that kind yeah. of stuff. So my point is though, when 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 in previous generations you had people who would excel academically and they had measurable proof that they were good at something. Yeah, they had good grades, and you had people who we're good at athlete, athletics and we, we kept score and, yeah. and we had contests that, that like were measurable and we, we really valued like effort and, and winning and things like that. Right. That has been diminished and there's, you know, there's jokes now. I, I, I think this will last through Kenny G's uh, to Kenny G's lifetime. It, they will look back at our time and we'll talk about participation trophies. I imagine <laughs> that that's uh, prevalent enough of in our, in our, uh, ether now to to outlive you and I that you yeah. know, our our complaints about participation trophy it may not be relevant in the moment but they'll know what it means I'm sure yeah um, that has taken over like athletics to to some yeah. degree so and and you know now measuring happiness is just whatever I'm doing now if I'm on my phone scrolling through TikTok or whatever app right. I'm on and it feels good fine but next thing you know days have passed and I haven't really done anything measurable in my life. Other than sitting in my room, which you know teenagers do anyway, or whatever, but <laughs> it just feels like we were, we've removed any kind of indicators for them to hang on to to say I'm good at this thing of of anything, you know. And so it, all that's left is um, hanging out with my friends, doing things online now because they don't really hang out together. Right. <laughs> so the the social fabric is gone <clears throat> because now there's not really relationships. We do things remote. And the social piece has gone between the family and the kid now because they've been told that that's not really important anymore. So they don't have measurable things to, to find out what they're good at, and they don't have relationship bonds. So what do they have? They don't. They don't have much. Yeah. They have they have resentment from what their great grandfathers did or were subjected to. And and that is, I would say that all of that is due to societal unraveling. So yeah. meaning used to be. So if, if you're if you're making if you're if you're judging people not judging but if you're you're measuring people by grades, you're, the grades are a a certain measurement for all people for a, for a a group a cohort right. Yeah. Uh, whether you're on a curve or on an absolute scale, whether you're talking about about standards or values or whatever, it's societal standards about shared standards, shared values that create right. societal cohesion. Now, when society has failed, when when it looks like society has failed. And there's no societal cohesion, and we put all of the emphasis on <clears throat> my personal expression or need or desire or want or whatever. 
then I have no need for being measured because I know I'm good regardless of whether, you know, I, I, I should get an A in Spanish because I showed up, you know, it's the participation right. trophy, right? So it's all back. The, the focus is on the individual, but, but that happens because of the breakdown of any objective standard that anybody across society can, uh, can adhere to, can be, and, right. and, and they're, they're at odds because you're, if you're in a society, <clears throat> you are by definition, uh, subjugating some of your own wants and desires to the needs of the whole, right? To the needs of the society. And you're, you're saying that if I don't do as well in this, well, society's gonna, is gonna recognize that I didn't yeah. do as well as this. And that's okay. That's not a problem. You're not a genius in this, Dave. It's okay. But however, if the, if the focus is not on societal cohesion, societal advancement, societal authority, uh, and, and it isn't anymore, and it's on the individual, then anything that makes you happy goes, even if it's completely self-destructive for you, because right. it's what you want. That's where we're at. And that's also, you know, the, what the sociologists say about the, this great, you know, uh, age long cycle that we're in, the, the generational cycle. That's what happens at this stage before whatever the great crisis is that's coming that will once again reunite us. <clears throat> now, the, yeah. the prediction is about all that, that, that yes, we're in a, in a completely unraveled society where we can't even agree about what a woman is or who should who should wrestle each other right. in a, on a, on a mat in college or, or, or swim together or whatever. But that will, once, once a focusing uh, crisis comes, that focus on the crisis on survivability on just raw, can we live through this thing? Survivability will remind us once again that that there is good and there's purpose to being a part of a societal whole, even if your individual wants and needs and desires aren't fully met. There's better, there's more value to that than just what, you know, I want and don't ever offend me or don't ever hurt my feelings because, yeah. you know, that's the greatest societal need. And so that, that will come, but it will, by Kenny G's time, it will be unraveling once again, because right. that's the cycle of the ages that it goes through. Yeah, for sure. I, I watched a video. I this even I wasn't even thinking about this before, but it just kind of popped in my head as you were talking about that. I watched a video earlier this week. Uh, now I'm I'm scrolling through Twitter. And <laughs> I saw this video, so X, I'm not, X, I'm not Brian, chastising X. people for looking at their social media platforms, but but I was <laughs> I was I saw this video on X, and it was I felt so bad for this kid. He was probably 15, 16 years old. He's wrestling. And he's wrestling a girl mm. and physiology took over and, and parts of his body became aware of what was happening <laughs> in this close yeah. proximity to a girl of his age. Right. And he's in front, he's on a wrestling mat with this girl in front of, I don't know, hundreds of people probably, or at least dozens yeah. of people. And all of a sudden he's got this other issue he's got to deal with. And I was just like mortified for this kid. Like, Oh yeah. He'll, he'll, He'll never, he'll never, perhaps never outgrow like that embarrassment beyond that, that yeah. will, that will be with him the rest of his life, that embarrassment. Yeah. And like, and I just want to like slap the shit out of whoever is like making him do that. That's just <laughs> exactly like so stupid. Oh my gosh. Anyhow. Um, so we, we've talked about like, there's measurable things like the, you know, the, their health is less for sure. Yeah. Their life expectancy is less for sure by these statistics from our own government at their own yeah. hand. Uh, that's, that's a, a thing. 
Uh, we're, we're less interested in educating them. They're less likely to be successful on the global scale because other countries aren't afraid to educate their kids right. <laughs> like we are. Exactly. Uh, China is not adopting Oregon's policy on how we measure performance in academics. I can promise <laughs> right. you that. Right. So um, the, the likelihood they're going to ex- have a chance to excel against other countries has diminished. Meanwhile, I don't hear I don't hear anybody talking about this. Yeah. I don't hear politicians talk about it. I don't hear people in the schools. I don't. I certainly don't hear the head of the te- uh, teachers' unions talking about this. I don't hear anybody saying, um, "Hey, FYI, at some point we might want to circle back to finding out why all these indicators that we I've mentioned so far are on the wrong path." I, right. I don't. Do you hear that conversation anywhere? I and I'm, no. I'm being sincere. Like I hear it once in a while pop up in a in a news story on TV or whatever. But I mean, like once like every few months i certainly right. don't hear it with any kind of regular uh, interval do you no no and i think some of that is is back to so how do, so that's so the despair and the and the unraveling that's affecting the youth i think one of the ways that affects uh, older folks and one of the ways it affects uh, leadership and people in power in society is a deep degree of cynicism in other words <clears throat> i've heard people that make that are in positions of power when they're off mic and when they're not on a, on a, on a, uh, uh, politically hot topic, making very smart, very intelligent, very, you know, logical pronouncements. But when they're on the, when they're on the, the subject of, of politics or societal hotbed issues, they're completely insane. So yeah. <clears throat> what it tells me is that, and I can think of a number of examples of people that, why are they saying this? I've heard them say very smart, logical things. It's because the the cynicism takes over. The cynicism that says, well, you know, everything is unraveling anyway. It's unwinding. Um, I just, I'm just going to get as much power as I can and advance as far as I can, uh, either for positive because maybe they think it can do something good or for negative because, Hey, if the ship's sinking, I want to have the, the plushest, uh, deck chair on the Titanic when it goes down, yeah. you know? So there's, I think there's also a great degree of cynicism that infects our, our leadership class, if you will. And I think what happens as a result of that <clears throat> is that cynicism then is it's noticeable. It's noticeable by, uh, by everybody else. And the cynical behavior is noticeable by everybody else, except perhaps people of their own tribe. And as a result of that, there's less trust again in the institution that they're trying to lead, in the institution that they that they uh, that they uh, influence. So it's it's a self perpetuating sort of downhill, downward spiral uh, where where there's there's nobody calling us to um, to something greater, something something better. You know, like Kennedy did, as, as you mentioned earlier, you know, we're in the middle of uh, a potential showdown and, and, and actually a, a global competition backed by nuclear warheads on both sides with the Soviet Union for yeah. 70s or, well, not quite 70 years, but for quite some time. Uh, but at the same time, we have aspiration enough to so our leaders call us to do something great. Um, Reagan, you know, facing down the Soviet Union in his day, calling us to something better. Um, <clears throat> those things, we, we don't have somebody, we don't have inspiring leaders for the most part to call us out of this funk that we're in to, now, now I think, again, if you look, look at it historically, one of the things that typically happens when we get to this point in societal mood where everybody's just, 
you know, down in a funk and, you know, woe is me and all that. <clears throat> somebody does emerge. When the crisis happens, somebody does emerge, catalyzes uh, uh, public opinion. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of things about FDR. I wasn't very excited or I'm not, I wasn't there. I'm not that old yeah. <laughs> that, that I think were, were, uh, you know, transformationally bad things. Uh, but, you know, he catalyzed the country after the attack of uh, December 7th, 1941. And, you know, we had fireside chats. We had, here's why we're going to win. We had that type yeah. of thing happening. And why we should win. Yeah. And why we should win. Why it's our moral it was, imperative it to win. It's a moral good for us to, to, to win. Now, we didn't want this fight, but here we are. It's exactly. a moral good for us to win. And and that typically happens. Uh, some sometimes uh, a Moses appears, like he did for the Israelites after four hundred years of slavery, and and yeah. catalyzes public opinion and says, "No, no, no, we don't have to remain in this nihilistic moral funk that we're in. We can move out of that." And, and and but that's that's again why, sadly, for human beings, we need a uh, I'll quote Rahm Emanuel: "We need a good. Don't let a good crisis go to waste. We need yeah. a good crisis to to reunite us." Uh, because we're not we're not going to reunite on our own. I mean, this right. this mood isn't going to go away by us just saying, "Hey, you know, it's kind of been a bad time for the last you know ten fifteen years." It's not going to go away on its own. It needs something to catalyze public opinion, catalyze change. That's not going to be the next president unless the next president is somebody who inspires us after some horrible uh, you know attack or or war or something happens. That's what has to happen to take us out of this. And this is where Kenny G needs to, in his day, prepare for that same kind of, you know, set of events. What we're talking about now, the mood of our time will once again emerge in Kenny G's time. Yeah. And it will take a crisis to help him and help them emerge from that into the next great era. Right. So I think, I think one of the, you know, kind of looking at the evolution from coming out of the last, you know, Fourth turning in, you know, the forties to, you know, around the halfway point in the eighties, we started hearing about this positive mental attitude and having a positive self-esteem. Right. That movement really began. And listen, I'm not, I'm not anti having a positive self-esteem. Right. I think that that matters. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, coming out of, out of the, the cataclysm though, in the biggest war the world had ever seen, right? like it or not fair or unfair, People were assessed on their performance and how they did there and how they served and how they right. protected others and how they how they won. And if you weren't in a if you weren't one of those people who kicked ass in that war, then you were you were just valued less. And that's just yep. the way it is. And I'm not yep. going to argue that 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 just that's just how it happens in those circumstances. Um, so lots of people weren't weren't those heroes, right? And and they didn't maybe think of themselves as much as as those as they as they admired other folks and. And I think it was healthy to have this conversation about we should have a positive mental attitude. We need to think well of ourselves, et cetera. But then that, because we're human and we always take things too far. Yeah. Pretty soon. Now shame is bad. Yeah. Now anything that makes me feel bad about myself is bad. And only things that make me feel good about myself are good. So shame is out. Right. So that leads to not only do I not have to say that I screwed something up, but how dare you put me in a situation where I would even exactly. consider having to do that. So now apologizing or admitting one's own faults or wrongs or bad decisions or whatever, that's out. That's and so now, now here we are heading down the path where we're, we're canoeing our way down the river towards the waterfall. Our kids are killing themselves at a rate never seen before. Their life expectancy is down. Their obesity is up. 
their education's down, their misery is up, their outlook is down, their their uh, uh, self loathing is up because they're either they're either classified as a person who is evil because their predecessors harmed others or oppressed them, or they're completely helpless and at the mercy of other people who were doing the same to them. Right. And we're just canoeing down this river towards the waterfall and nobody can say that they did anything wrong because, because that's what you're taught. So hopefully before Kenny G gets to this point, he can start seeing these indicators and I don't know if it'll be exactly the same ones, probably not, but, but these things that start out as really good ideas and pretty soon we just, we've taken them way too far because we're human and that's what we do. Right. And next thing you know, we find ourselves in a situation where even though it's we we can measurably see it's doing dramatic, real harm to our own children or the right. generation that comes after us, nobody can say, you know, maybe we're on the wrong path here. <laughs> right. Well, and that's because it goes from it goes from societal uh nonconformity, everybody doing whatever they want. So like like in yep. your analogy of rowing towards the waterfall, everybody's rowing in a different direction. And that's why they right. can't escape the water. You see the waterfall coming, but one person's going this way, other person's rolling backwards, other person's rolling sideways, other person's waving his oar up in the air. But but it feels to me, Dave, like on the like uh, I'm picturing like the the Harvard's the the Harvard rowing team. There's the person in the back steering. Right. It feels to me like the teachers' union's in the back steering, and and whatever institution or whatever somebody is steering at the. It, 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 is it really happenstance? Is it just we're just so unorganized this is happening or is somebody keeping us heading and barreling towards that waterfall? It feels like well, it's at least both to me, not, not yeah. necessarily one or the other, but yeah, I, I think it's both. And I think there's probably there to, to extend the analogy. I think there's one person at the back of the boat with a bullhorn yelling one thing, another person at the front of the bullhorn, uh, the front of the boat yelling another thing. And so you've got, but, but, it, but it ends up practically speaking like chaos because you've got yeah. all these different people doing different things. And, and, and we see a general decline from that massive conformity right after world war, world war two into the point yeah. where we get to the eighties and well, not everybody, you know, you get the sixties and people are, are, you know, yep. Little less conforming, you know. You get the hippies yeah. and the all that. Period. The, the second turning is the awakening period, which exactly. was in, in the late sixties for us. And and everybody wakes up and says, "I don't want to drive my dad's Buick. I want to go <laughs> get high in Woodstock." Exactly. And then we we the conformity decreases even further. And now it's like, well, I'm not going to conform to society, but man, you know, Norman Vincent Peale, I am. And, and, you know, I love the self-help stuff. It's, it's good stuff, but yeah, you know, for sure. uh, but if it, it, so it's even less conforming then to a point where now non-conformity is the highest standard. And if you criticize non-conformity, it's just as bad as not being a conformist in 1950. Yeah. So all of that, it's, it's that inevitable slide of, of cohesion and conformity to non, non cohesion, no cohesion, uncohesion. There's an episode for you. Uh, yeah. and non conformity being the only way to conform until conformity for survival purposes is forced on us once again. Yeah, and I think that, like, talking about that that self-help thing, I think that there's two distinct types of self-help. One I'm a firm believer in, and one I'm not. Yeah. One is we should, we, we are our own worst enemies. We we have negative thoughts that really yeah. can harm us and, and slow us down in life. And we should work really hard to have a positive 
uh, image ourselves and see yeah. ourselves being successful. And that leads to personal responsibility where now I have this, I'm going to go out and do things. Yes. The other version is how dare you think little of me and you need to change your behavior. Right. That's a different kind of self-help that is right. now more prevalent and, and uh, celebrated, I would right. say, than the old school one that I like, which is, yeah, you got to think well of yourself and you have to like get off your butt and go do stuff even right. when you don't want to versus right. – yeah, in order to feel good about me, I need to tell you how you need to change. And right. that is a – it kind of – not only is, it, is that what's leading to nobody saying anything about us heading down this path, but it could be part of the explanation for why these kids are so miserable. Imagine a a toddler growing up to age 21 not really having been um, – their behavior not really have been checked much. Right. Like they just believe that how you – go through the terrible twos is how you're supposed to be at, at 18 or 21. Right. How miserable would that person be? And they probably would be suicidal. I mean, like, honestly, like they would be absolutely miserable. They would, they would have no serious uh, relationships and friends. They would, right. they would, they would having never had to be told, no, they wouldn't really, why would you aspire to anything? <clears throat> Just demand things and throw a temper tantrum when you don't get it. And then you're on to the next thing. And, that kind of feels like what we're, we're in, in a sense, kind of what we're doing them is 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 not allowing them to to benefit from the the parts of society where we're going along and and serving others and looking out for others and respecting others is a benefit to yourself. We, right. We've kind and, of lost that. Well, and it's it's when when personal feelings become the pinnacle of life as opposed to yeah. objective. Uh, objective success. So, you know, the first type of self-help that you're talking about leads to objective success as success yeah. that's outside of myself that I have gone towards and that I've obtained by doing things, oftentimes things that most, well, all the time uh, a person has done that, has done things that they didn't want to do, that are uncomfortable, right. that are difficult, but they've achieved yeah. an objective external success reality. As Now, if you believe then that your whole self-worth is tied up in your feelings being the pinnacle of success, and then you're going to be miserable because it, it conflicts with reality. The, the things yeah. I feel like doing are not always in concert with what are good for me or good for good for the world. They are oftentimes yeah. in conflict with the world. And so that's where that that's where a lot of that misery comes from. It's like, well, why can't I have my tenter, temper tantrum and get what I want? You should provide that for me. And right. and you're like, no, I'm not going to provide that for you. I have no interest in doing that. Well, now I'm miserable because the thing yeah. that I've been told or I've been allowed to believe about my life, that my feelings are the top most important thing. I can never have anybody have a, a negative sentiment toward me. I can never have anybody think that I'm wrong or that the way I do yeah. things or the way I live or the way I look or the way I am, you know, uh, you can't shame me to your, to your point earlier. You can't shame me for this behavior or for this belief or anything like that. And if you do, then you're bad. <clears throat> 
Well, that leads to depression naturally. It leads to uh, that nihilism, that, that you know, the, the world has failed me and therefore I'm willing to do anything up into including violence. Why, why are there so many people, you know, going out and, and shooting other people? Why do we have a, a problem with mass shootings? Well, the, the world doesn't conform to the way people feel it should and therefore they right. don't change themselves. They think the world should change and when it doesn't, they get violent. That's why, in my estimation, yeah. it's one of the reasons – complex, but that's one of the reasons sure. that I think those things happen. Yeah. Well, I would just tell Kenny G when, when, uh, when things that start out as good ideas go too far and, and as an indicator of how, you know, again, we can, I compare us oftentimes to our situation to Nazi Germany and always kind of wonder how could they have let that happen? Right. This is one of our, how could we let this happen <clears throat> moments for me is we have very specific measurable data not subjective information, objective, measurable data saying this stuff is, is not having a positive impact and nobody gives a shit. And that right. just, I, I, it, 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 it's bewildering to me. I don't, I don't get it. So yeah. anyhow, uh, that's, I think that's a pretty good indication of like how far things have unraveled for us. Uh, as you've said earlier, uh, don't forget if you think Dave and I are explaining this wrong, we'd love to hear about it. We'd love to have you explain to Kenny G your perspective on this. What part of this are we, Miss uh, stating which parts are we getting completely wrong? What What is the perspective you have to explain to Kenny G what this moment is like as it relates to this topic with uh, kids' happiness and misery and all this kind of stuff? Uh, go um, to unsilentpodcast.com. You can find out how to uh, do that there. You can Probably the easiest place is go to our Rumble videos and just comment there. There's a great comment section on there. Uh, if you do go to the Rumble thing, don't forget, like and subscribe. It's Dave and Brian against the algorithm. And uh, until next time, this is Dave and Brian signing off. See you next week. Do you want to be on silent? Make your voice heard on our social media channels and share where you think we got it right or wrong. Go to unsilentpodcast.com for social links so you can join the discussion. 